Gifted is defined having exceptional talent or natural ability. And I want you to ask yourself, what kind of natural ability do you think God's given you? What natural ability and talent do you think that God has placed inside of you? Now, we know that, you know, we as people, we are people of inheritance, so we have inherited good talents from mom and dad. Fortunately, sometimes we inherit bad talents from mom and dad as well, right? But this morning, we all have some form, shape of talent. And in my mind, and, and we've said it before, this is the MVP. We are the, the most talented people in Hemet that are sitting here this morning, right? You are the best of the best of the best. And so our theme that we started is called Gifted, Defined, Having Exceptional Talent or Natural Ability. If you have your Bibles, we're going to start in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 4. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 4, and it is, let me put it on the screen right now. Romans 12, verse 4 says, Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts, one body, and we all belong to each other. We are many parts, one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, to speak out with as much faith as God has given you, Verse 7, if your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Work hard. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Verse 12, rejoice in confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. And so this morning as we dive into the gifts, and there's so many gifts, Paul lists here a couple things that are important to point out. May, we are many parts. We're one body. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're one body. One body. Turn to him again and say, and we belong to each other. Now, there's some things he lists here, and I want you to ask yourself, and you can ask yourself out loud if you feel the need, or you can ask internally. He says, do you have the ability to prophesy? Do you have that certain desire that you feel the, a gift to prophesy, to speak out, to have some kind of word inside of you that may pertain to today or the future, just like a feeling or maybe what we call a little inkling. God gives us the ability to prophesy, this gift of prophecy, to speak something, a feeling that he puts deep within us. And this morning, I think we have prophets in here. This morning, I think there are a number of people who have this gift to prophesy. You have a special gift. And there are some of us in here this morning that do have the gift to prophesy. The feeling, a word that God puts inside of you. Now, sometimes we all have to learn how to use gifts. 
right? And so some of us, there are, there are people, and there's wonderful people. Isn't there wonderful people in our world? We're, we're so full of wonderful people. We are wonderful. We are just a wonderful human race that God has put together. And sometimes we don't know how to use our gifts, and sometimes we don't know what to do with our gifts. And so even though God may give everyone, not everyone, but certain people the gift to prophesy, some people don't know how to use it. And so sometimes people use and abuse gifts. Kind of like in relationships. How many of us know in relationships you can use or abuse the relationships that God gives you? And so this morning, the first thing I want you to ask yourself, do I ever feel the need or an inkling, or a feeling, or a thought that pertains maybe to someone's future. And, and sometimes there are people who have wacky, weird dreams. I'm not going down there this morning, okay? Because it, it's a proven fact that, that foods that you eat at night can affect dreams. That there are foods, there are thoughts, there are TV shows that you watch that can affect your thoughts and dream patterns, right? So we're not talking about funky dreams, but this morning, do you have a feeling to process? prophesy to speak out. And this morning I do believe that we have prophets. Secondly, it says, do you have a gift to serve? And what does it mean to be a servant? Jesus got himself when he was here, and I love the beautiful picture that it painted. What's up, Riley? How you doing, man? Hey, we can start church now, Riley just made it, so we're good. We're good. I love the beautiful picture Jesus painted of servanthood. They're about to have their last meal together. And how many of us know if you have family that you like and you enjoy their presence and you're going to have a last meal together, this is the setting. There's, there's 12 guys. There's Jesus. We know that there was one guy that's a little funky. His name's Judas. Not that we want to throw him under the bus. But they're having their last meal together. And in this day, when you would fellowship, when you would get together, as you came together, you would leave your house and you would take a bath. They didn't have showers. I don't know about you, but thank God for showers. That hot shower first thing in the morning, it's a wonderful, blessed thing, right? They didn't have those back then. They had little bathtubs or they had little tubs that they would, you know, sprinkle themselves with. Fun, right? Amazing. But before you left your house, you would have to wash your hands, you wash yourself, and then you'd head out. But you're walking on dirt roads. And so as you travel the dirt roads, all these guys, Jesus had his boys, there's 12 men, they're walking this place, they get in there. When you would go to another person's house, usually there was one person, and you know what they had the best task in the house to do? Washing feet. But as Jesus and his men got to the Last Supper, the Last Supper, Nobody was there. No one was there. There was this room that they visited. It was set up. It was ready. It was prepared. But you know what? No one was there to wash their feet. And secondly, you know what? No one took initiative. Have you ever heard that word? That's a good one. Initiative. No one took initiative. Now remember, you're not supposed to eat, drink, or do anything until you wash your hands again and you wash your feet when you get into the house. So this mood, you had 13 men all staring at each other. And guys, if we're serious, most of us don't care if, we, if our hands are washed, right? If it's time to eat, let's just dig in, right? 
Now, some of us are concerned. After COVID, we're all a little more concerned than what we used to be, right? So we all are, yeah, let's wash our hands, sanitize. But in the old days, who cared? Let's just dig in. I'm hungry. I'm eating. Jesus is looking around at these 12 guys, and they're all looking into each other's eyes. And you know what? They had one thought. Oh, shoot. We didn't wash our hands. This has been ingrained into their brain from childhood, right? From very young age to the, now they're adult, burly men, wonderful long beards, all those things, right? And they're all looking at each other and they have one thought. Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. We didn't wash our hands or feet. Now we're eating unclean food. We are in big, big trouble. Jesus is sitting there looking at each one. And he's thinking, I wonder who's going to get up and serve right now. No one, no one took initiative. So then who took initiative? God. God stands up, his name is Jesus, takes off his outer robe, he's still partially dressed, it's not R-rated, and then he goes around and he starts serving, washing each man's feet. Now I don't know about you, but have you ever smelt stinky feet before? Would this be an official job that you would like to do every day? I'm the official foot washer. Bring your stinky feet to me and I'll clean them up. None of us would want that job, right? So why would God, one out of 13 men, be the first one? Why would God, why would God, why would Jesus have to be the first one to say, I'll be the servant? Everywhere we go in life, everything that we do, God watches who's willing to serve. Who's willing to serve. Serving is a gift. Paul says if your gift is to serve, serve people well. And this morning we're filled with servants. I think every one of us should have this gift because it is a good thing to serve. Jesus said... It's not the, the latest and the greatest people. It's not those who are special and wonderful and amazing who are going to be the first in line. He said, those who are last will be first. He says, I didn't come so that you would serve me. Jesus said, I came to serve you. His whole thing, ministry, is to serve. Are you a prophet? Are you a servant this morning? Thirdly, teacher. If you're a teacher, teach well. And how many of us this morning have that gift to teach, to be able to teach and talk and explain something clearly to another individual? How many of us, if we had children, hopefully most of us, now most of us as parents, we had the beautiful job to potty train. And most of our kids learn how to go to the bathroom one way or another. So whether mom or dad had to be the teacher in potty training. Somebody taught you how to go potty, right? And then you had to pass that on to somebody else. This morning, we have prophets in here. We have servants in here. And we have teachers in here. Fourthly, he said, encouragement. The ability to lift someone's spirit. We have a world that is full of depressed, lonely people with so much anxiety. And there's, there's a couple gifts that go on right here that I think are the most drastic ones missing. Because people who encourage, they need to be encouraged before they can encourage. And life has been tragic for so many people. Encouraging people, the minute you get around someone who's encouraging, you automatically feel better. You just start smiling. You just start feeling better. The challenge is there's a few, but not many move in this anymore because sometimes 
we ourselves don't feel encouraged. And so if I'm not encouraged, I'm not going to encourage anybody else either. But if anxiety and depression and loneliness are all on the rise, maybe because there's an absence of people, good people, kind people, not moving in the gift that God has given us, which is, one, encouragement. Secondly, it goes on, if you're a giver, give generously. And I don't really need to spend a lot of time on that. If you like to give, give, right? Give generously. If God's given you the gift of leadership, if you in your head can just pull things together, a leader knows how to pull thoughts, feelings, people together, and just start playing polka dots and go here, 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 here. As we're going through here, we're talking about the gifts that God has given to people. And gifts, what did he say gifts are used for? We belong to each other. We're part of one body. They're used for serving one another. Prophecy. Serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, and showing kindness. Ah, kindness is a gift. Because how many of us have learned in life there are times where we don't want to be kind? Ooh, vampire mouse coming out right now. And I feel like being nasty. Come on, let's be honest. How many of us in this room, we all at certain times can just take someone and destroy their moment and destroy their day in one second? You know, sometimes it happens at restaurants, and you've heard me say it because my day job is I sell food to restaurants. They don't like church people on Sunday because you know what they say? A lot of them are cranky. You know, and maybe they gave too much in the offering bucket, and so they're a little upset. I don't know. But owners tell me all the time they hate church Sundays because church people come in, and they're not nice, kind. When the order's not right, they don't give much. And that's kind of sad, right? If a gift is to be kind, do we choose every moment to be kind to everybody? Have you ever noticed that sometimes we see other people's tone, and when me and my beautiful wife fight, of course, you know, when I think her tones change, and you've heard me say this, immediately I want to change my tone, right? Because if her tone's going to go up, well, then mine should go up too, right? So we got we to gotta match tones, right? We got we to gotta get ready for this. If it's going to go down, we're going to go down, right? One thing I've learned though in 46 years, you don't mess with a woman though, because no matter, you know, you, you just learn to be nice and kind, right? Girls are tough. If you can give birth, you're tough, man. There is a gift called kindness, and, and times we learn to exercise that, and other times we choose not to exercise kindness. But it's a gift, and I wonder if it's a gift that we choose to give every single day or if it's something that we choose to hold on to. Gifted. We are in the same defined having exceptional talent or natural or a spiritual ability. There are so many spiritual gifts, and as we go through the same and as we get into the different gifts that God has given to us, it's to ask ourselves, what gifts has God given me? What gifts has he put inside of me? What are the things that God wants me to take and to embrace? And so we know that through spiritual gifts, there is a gift of wisdom, understanding to give special counsel 
counsel, to have fortitude, a power, a might, a special knowledge, a devotion, a fear of the Lord, to serve, to teach, to preach, to give, leadership, mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, having faith, the gift and the ability to pray for someone and to see healing, miracles, to, play, to pray and believe for miracles to distinguish between spirits, the gift of tongues, the interpretation of tongues, the ministration, evangelists, shepherds, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So many gifts, so many things that in the spirit that are available, that are given to us. So last week as we started this new theme, we used and illustrated a text. And we wanted to use this text because we wanted to see, number one, that we're all born and created with a need. Turn to your neighbor and say, we all have needs. We learned our basic needs, food, water, shelter, sleep, right? Most of us, if we have food, water, air, shelter, sleep, we're good. We start taking some of those elements away, it's not good anymore. But for many people, because we're like onions with many layers, we know that our needs go deeper. Love, acceptance, to grow, to belong, to be connected, to understand, to be understood, to participate in life, to be identified with someone, something, to feel like I have purpose or significance. There is a need in humans. God created us with this need. And so as we started Gifted, it's to say, I do have a need. I do need purpose. I do need significance to feel that my life matters. I was born with this need. And the real thing is, it's what do I do with my needs? If we're hungry, now most of us have learned when we're hungry, we'll eat. But it's the spiritual part that we sometimes get confused on. And no matter how old we are, no matter how young, because none, uh, none of us in here are, are old, right? We're all young. We're so young. Through ages, through stages, it's like sometimes we forget spiritual needs, spiritual gifts, significance, purpose. Because I can tell you, I know so many believers, 60s, 70s, 80 years old, that all of a sudden something happens and it's like, it's like their mind goes blank and they forget that they're a believer. They forget that they have a God. They forget that God provides. They forget that God leads. They forget that God's the great shepherd. They forget that God is the healer. They forget that God will take care of us every single day when we let him. And so sometimes, whatever reason it is, our spiritual needs, they speak louder than anything else. Our spiritual needs inside of us. And I'll, I'll show you by this. If we were 100% so honest this morning, if you were to think about the word Savior, most of us would ding, ding, Jesus, ah, Savior, Messiah, right? But do you realize as humans what we do naturally? We look to people... We look to a guy, we look to a girl, we look to things as our Savior. This thing will save me. This person will save me. We naturally do this in, in every day sometimes, in every week circumstances. There can be all of a sudden for people looking, needing. This man is the answer to my life. This woman, this job, this is, without realizing it, is my Savior. 
this doctor. For someone who's sick and dying, that doctor becomes a savior to them. For many people who are sick and they're afraid to die, they look to their doctor as he or she is my savior and I am needing them. And so sometimes we don't realize it, that it's something that God created us with, but it's to recognize. So turn to everybody and say it's to recognize that our spiritual needs can only be met in one place. And it's in God. And if you're here last week, you remember we had a little lamp, right, with some light bulbs. And if you can, I'm sure visually you can picture this, if you have a light in your house, if you try to turn it on without being plugged in the source, what happens? Nothing. See, many of us in here, this is what we're doing. We're running life with nothing because we're not connected to the source. If God alone can give you the significance that you need, if God alone can fulfill and satisfy, remember what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, peace, patience, joy, kindness, all these things. If God alone can meet every single need that you have, it doesn't happen unless what? You're plugged in. And so many of us, we're like that, that lamp, we're like that light. We are trying so hard. We're looking for a Savior, even though we say Jesus is our Savior. We're looking, we're wanting, we're pursuing. But you know what happens? Nothing. Because we're not plugged in. God alone is the giver of gifts. God alone can meet every single need that each and every one of us have. Every one of us. But it starts with being connected, and it starts by recognizing the need. And that was last week. That was last week. And so this morning, we have a new text. Daily Story Point 2, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last one, dividing in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money. He earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work, and he earned two more. Verse 18, the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground, and he hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip, and he called to them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted five bags of silver, they came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good, faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Woo! Verse 22. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. Now I'm going to give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Woo! Verse 24. Then the servant with one bag of silver came forward and said, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops that you didn't cultivate. 
I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. And the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that I harvested crops, I didn't plant, gathered crops, I didn't cultivate. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least you could have gotten some interest on it. And then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. Those will have, they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, do you ever say nothing? Remember the light that doesn't get plugged in? Nothing happens. Even what little they have will be taken away. And then he said, throw this useless servant in outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. If you were to ask, what is the main theme of the parable of the talents? Jesus is saying, who is faithful? to do the tasks that I've given? Who will be faithful to do with what I have given each person to do? Who will be faithful to continue to work with what they're given while I am away? We know that Jesus was here 2,000 years ago, and so he's, he's taking this time off, because all of us need time off once in a while, right? How many of us need time off once in a while, a little vacation, right? Not from God in church, right? But we just need time off from work. Anyway, Jesus left 2,000 years ago, and he says, I left every single person with gifts and talents. And now I'm standing back waiting to see who will be faithful to do something with what I've given them. What will people do while, while we wait for him? What will people spend their time doing while they wait for God to come back? And I don't know if you have ever been outside at a restaurant or outside, you know, at a hospital, outside at a friend's house, waiting for mom and dad to pick you up, waiting for a friend to pick you up, and you, have you ever had to sit and wait? I'll never forget one time, my friends, we, were, um, we went to San Aceto to meet this new friend that we wanted to become friends with. And so my friends were like, hey, I'm going to drop you off. I'll be right back. They left me for an hour. And like, I don't remember, it was like over an hour. And so this new guy that we wanted to like introduce into our, our group, we became good friends because I had to sit there with this guy for an, over an hour, right? I was waiting. And, and while I was sitting here talking with this guy for an hour, I could have just, you know, shook some hands, got a phone number, and, and walked away, said, be on your way, have a nice day, blah, 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 blah. You want to hang out with us, you know, come to the birthday party? No, 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 no. I stood there, had a conversation, became friends with this guy. While we wait for the return of Jesus, the main theme of this text is who will be faithful while we wait on God. And many of us this morning, let's be honest, we hate to wait on anybody. We don't like to wait on anybody. Time is the essence. Time is the essence. We create things to make everything faster every single day because everything needs to be fast. God's coming back, and for many people, my grandma, who's 91, 92, lives in Ohio, she told me that there in the 50s, 60s, people were, were selling houses and, and ringing up credit cards because they thought Jesus was coming back. This is 70 years ago. Hopefully those credit cards got taken care of and they weren't homeless because they sold their houses. But, oh my goodness, I can't believe that if you, you know, 70 years ago thought he was coming back, let's sell our houses, let's, let's go out with, with good, you know, spending, baby. Let's go shopping because we got to go on style. Let's go, let's go spend it, swipe it, right? 
And here we are 70 years later, and, and how many people and people in the body of Jesus think, God's coming back, he's coming back. But honestly, no one knows, because what did Jesus say? No one will know. And he said, if they tell you they know, they're a liar. He said, no one will know, because I'm going to come like a thief in the night. And you know what's funny, just a little side note, even though Jesus said that, how many people spend hours trying to flood TV and airways with when he's coming back. When he said, he made it clear, no one will know. So we shouldn't spend our time listening, thinking of when, because it's taken away from what we're supposed to do right now. This theme, this parable right here, is what? The main purpose, who's faithful to do something with what I've given to them while I'm gone. While I'm gone, while we're waiting for him. And so he said that many people in this story are going to turn away from God because they're tired of waiting. And honestly, if you just Google real quick, in the Christian Catholic Church, people have turned away from God in drastic numbers in the previous few years here. People have turned away from being a Catholic and a Christian in, in crazy numbers. They've walked away from God. And I'll be honest with you this morning, I think part of that reason is from, from pastors. Because I think pastors, we've done a bad job of what church should be and what church should look like and sound like. In the old days, if you quack like a duck, you're a duck, right? And so in the old days, if you went to church, if you sounded like a Christian, if you patted him on the back and a, and a Bible verse, you know, belched out, man, you're good. He looks and sounds like a Christian. If you come to church on Wednesdays and Sundays and Sunday nights, and if you, you know, get your money in the offering, if you do a little here, do a little there, the old days, man, that was great. But you know what's funny? What we made church, it was absolutely nothing like what church was here. It's nothing like what Jesus had in the New Testament. Jesus said to come and follow me, but somewhere along the line, to be honest with you, many Christians took it and ran it in a different direction. Jesus, radical, awesome, amazing, powerful, loving, giving, serving. He went to church every Sunday. He honored God by reading of the word. He honored God. They sang songs together. But he was a radical man for God. He was a radical man for his father. He gave every ounce and drop of what he had inside of him, every gift that was put inside of him. He used it to fully serve the father. Church isn't about my gifts. It's not about the pastor. It's not about who's singing on the stage. A church, it's about the people. It's about the body. It's about all of us together. It's not anything, hardly, to do with me at all. The body, the church, you all are what make church. When you come in Sunday, every one of you, when you come in on a Sunday morning, your smile, your presence, people don't realize that every one of us, there's a certain presence about us. And if you didn't shower, we know what kind of presence that is. We don't like that kind. But your presence, every one of you, you have a special gift in just being you alone. And so Jesus, when he called the church, you know one of the things he called the church? He called the church his bride. Now, what about you? But if you were a bride at one time, or if you married a bride, being a bride or marrying a bride, someone you love, that's special, Right? It's something that's very unique and special. If Jesus called the church his bride, how special to him is the church then? 
How special are Christians? How special is the church if he called the church his bride? And so in the end, people are going to be turning away from God because they're tired of waiting. People in the end decided, you know what? I'd rather be lazy than work hard for God. I'm just, I need to take a day off. Many of us in our minds sometimes we think that if I take a day off today, it's okay, I'll be back tomorrow. But you know what happens honestly? Spiritually, I'm not talking physically. When you have a job physically, if you take a day off, you know you're forced to go back to work. But spiritually, when we decide, I'm going to take a day off of being a Christian today, we slowly, it's just our natural, it's just who we are in our DNA, we slowly just start to pull away. Being a Christian and being a spiritual person, there's no days off. There's no days off. It's 24-7. And so there's no days off because the minute we take time off and being a Christian, we automatically start to go backwards. And that's not to say that we're perfect, because none of us are perfect, right? Not one person in here, we're not perfect, we're imperfect people. We're not, we're not here to just look around at others' imperfections, right? So the story, one of the things is, who's going to be lazy with the things of God? I can do it tomorrow. I don't need to do anything for God today. I can do it tomorrow. I can put it off. And sometimes really good at excuses. The last main theme in this parable is people become more consumed with fear. And I can tell you that I've seen more fear today than I've ever seen in my life. Afraid. So afraid. When you were 15, were you afraid to die? Absolutely not. But now that we're 35, have we thought about dying a little bit more? Yeah, probably. When's it going to happen? How will I go? 15, there's no thought of dying at all. But you know what the older we get, fears and thoughts change. And as we get towards the end, people become more and more fearful of everything. Fear is an enemy of the human body because it causes so many things for us to make so many wrong choices. In this great story, there was three people that were given an opportunity. In this day, if you were given money and you were saying, here, I need you. I'm giving my son, you know, $1,000. Go do something with this $1,000. If you were to take that $1,000 back then, 2,000 years ago, you could go to the bank and you would start to earn immediate interest. If you were given $1,000 and you took it to the church, get this, you could earn real money in the church because back then... Believe it or not, there was people taking advantage of people at church. Oh my gosh, even 2,000 years ago. People would come to church, there'd be men sitting outside, and they would change, exchange money from them because people came all over the world. And they were coming because they wanted to go to the temple. They wanted to pray. They wanted to be there. And they took advantage of those people. And so you could take your thousand bucks, you can go to the church, the temple, you give them your thousand bucks, and you know what? You made some massive interest on that money because they used money to make money. And so you can go to the bank, you can go to the temple, and you can make good money back in the day. Three people were all given money. Three people. Two people decided, okay. Boss, you want me to do something with this? I'm going to do it. You ask me to go take out the trash? Okay, boss, I'll take out the trash. Boss, you're asking me to have a good attitude? You got it, boss. I'm going to have a good attitude today. You ask me to be encouraging and kind and loving? You know what I love about Paul, what he said? And we kind of glanced over real quick. He said, stop pretending to love people and really love them. 
Which is funny. Why would Paul have to say that? Because we're good at pretending. If we don't watch our attitudes, we are so good at pretending to like people and be kind to people. And it's so easy to get out of love. It's so easy. It's like flipping the switch. I love you, and I'm going to hurt you. Right? Paul said, stop pretending to love. If the boss man says love, and love, love is the greatest indicator. Love, by far, love is the absolute, it is the largest, the biggest thing that our father, our boss, asks us to do. Jesus said we are known by our love. Love, L-O-V-E, not love in the elevator. It's not. Not love on the station, not love on the TV. Love, the kind of love that comes from above. Love. If our boss comes to us and says, I need you to love everybody. In this story, two men were given an opportunity to take money and make money, and they did. Okay. All right, boss, whatever you want me to do. And then we get to the last guy. There was the last guy, and let's be honest, he was given the smallest amount. And if you ever were at school and, you know, you got picked for teams and you were the last person picked, it stinks. I hated that when I was a kid. You know, if I'm the last one and I'm picked on the team, I don't know if it ever happened to you. Man, that really hurts. It's like, I'm better than that, that person over there. Why am I picked last? You know, that's why sometimes you go for captain first because then you could be the picker, right? The guy in the story, which is sad, he decided to do absolutely nothing what was, what was given to him. His boss came to him and said, I have a job for you. And he decided, no thanks. No, I don't want to. I'm not going to do, boss, what you asked me to do. If we know this morning, if our boss gives us a job to do and we don't do it, it could be a write-up, could be laid off, could be fired, right? See, but when it comes to the spiritual things of God, no matter how many times we ignore the voice of God, we're not worried about being laid off from being a Christian. Notice that? In our physical jobs where there's money, provision, money coming in the bank, money to pay bills, money to go out to eat, money for Starbucks, we're not worried. We know. We got to do what boss says, right? That's our physical job. But I wonder this morning how many of us have ever been concerned, am I really doing what my Heavenly Father put me here to do? Because this parable here, this is what it's highlighting. You're put here for a job. You're put here for a reason. And if you're not doing what he put you here to do, you're not going to be fully happy. You're not going to be fully satisfied. You will not find significance. There was one man in this story who said, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. No matter what you say, no matter how nice or mean I think you are, I'm not going to. I'm not going to serve God. I'm not going to be nice to my boss for some reason. Three people were all given opportunity. Two did something and one did not. And it's a tragedy because Jesus, in the story, he said, take from the guy who was given something and give it to somebody else because he didn't want to do it. He said, to those who use what I give them well, I'm going to give more. But those who want to do nothing, everything will be taken from them. 
See, we don't realize sometimes our thought process, our feelings, our emotions, whatever it is that we're chasing, wherever we're looking for love, acceptance, connection, significance, purpose, if it's not in God, you're going to hit the wall. If you, what you are chasing is not God, what is the greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul. Basically stating God's number one in your life. He's hefe, and we ain't, right? God is the boss. He is the supreme ruler. He is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The number one commandment is what? God first. God first. God above me. God above the situation. God above here. God above here. God. God, 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 God. That is the number one commandment in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus reiterated that. Love God with every single thing that you have. That is the most important commandment. And so this morning, as we start to pull it together, my title today is called embraced. Ah, turn to your name and say, is it nice to be embraced? Why is my title embraced? Well, I'll tell you why. Let me give you a definition of embrace. To welcome with open arms. Ah, to hold, to hug, to accept completely, to clasp, to hold on to, to adopt. Ready? To take an opinion, Policy, practice, relationship, or let's relate to the Bible, to take the Word of God and everything that it says in, to embrace it means to accept it, everything as it is, I believe and I follow. Embraced. We started this thing called gifted. Gifted, having exceptional talent, spiritual ability, and, and understanding when it comes to being gifted, number one, it's recognizing that we all have a need. We all have needs, but our needs can only be met in one place, and that's Him. Our needs can only be met in one place, and that's in God. Today, our theme was embraced because as you start to recognize your need that you have, that He made you, it's not just for work. It's not just for family. Your need is for the Father in heaven and what your Father in heaven has put you here to do. And as you seek that need out, as you look to seek and develop what he's put you to here to do, secondly, remember, first recognize, now you start to embrace it. I have gifts. I have talents, right? Some of us in here, I said, you are prophets in here. Some of you are teachers, preachers, evangelists. Some of us in here, we have the gift to serve, to encourage, to be kind. And it's not something, most of the time, that God puts us in a situation and says, I'm sure you feel like encouraging every single day. I'm sure you feel like being kind every day. Most of the time, God puts us in a situation when we don't feel like being kind to say, do they got kindness now? God puts you in situations to encourage someone. Is it when you feel like being an encouraging person or is it when you're like, hey, do you choose to be encouraging? And to be honest with you, I feel that those, right? If we feel attacked, right, we, we want to pull out the machete and we want to start attacking back. With that, you can pull out your Hot Wheel. Remember, as I said, as you go outside, it's going to turn to life size, so make sure it doesn't fall on you. 
So, have you ever heard of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost? Have you ever heard of that? If we were to hold up our car and just hold it for a second, we're going to look at this car as a Trinity. The car itself, God the Father. The key, not because we know with electric cars you don't need keys, right? And there's some cars that don't need keys. So in the old days, keys were important, so we're still thinking keys. Car, body, God the Father. Key for the ignition, Jesus Christ. Gas that goes in the engine that helps my car run, the Holy Spirit. Now this morning, with your Hot Wheel, as you take this, and you're, please, welcome to keep this car, put it anywhere you want to, in your car, in your house, to look at it. If God gives you a brand new car, and let's say you don't have a car, are you going to leave it in the driveway, or are you going to want to drive it? With spiritual gifts, he's given all of us this morning so many spiritual gifts, but we're leaving them in the driveway, and we're leaving them on the shelf, and we're not taking out the key. You've been given the key. I've got keys. You've got keys. And he's given us gas, and let's not go there. It's not that kind of gas. Some of us have more than others, but we're not going to point them out, right? You've been given a car, you've been given the keys, and you've been given the gas. But for many of us, those gifts are on the shelf. Jesus said, I came to give life, life abundantly. And there are prosperity preachers that say that that means money. Do you think God wants us rich? Sure. But rich doesn't mean you're going to be satisfied. So I don't think that's what that means. The only way you can be satisfied is to move and operate in the car fully that he's given to you. You will be fully satisfied when you jump into the vehicle, the gift, the talent in which he made you. And there's, listen, this is the crazy thing. No man, no woman. Not even mom, not even dad, not even grandparents. No one knows but your heavenly father, the gift in the vehicle that he has given to you. He alone, he alone made you. He put you together. I wasn't there 20 years ago when you were put together, right? God alone put you together, and he put the plan of your life together, the whole entire thing, beginning to end. And he said, this is what I want. This is what I made this man, this woman to be. This is how I imagine and put together and envision this whole life. So we could, you know, take our Hot Wheel and we can put it on the shelf and we can keep chasing life. My purpose is my job. My purpose is love. My purpose is, you know, looking for significance and to feel wanted with my friends and hanging out. And we could keep on going through life, hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall and keeping the same results, which is going to be nothing. Now, wait a second. Is having a job, can it be satisfying? Sure. When I get a bonus this Friday, it's going to feel pretty satisfying. Worked hard last month, get a bonus this month, that feels good. But you know what happens? Man, next week after that bonus, man, it's gone and long forgotten. The things that we see, the things of this life, they're only temporary. That's why the spiritual world, eternity, God, our Heavenly Father, Jesus, the key, 
Holy Spirit, the gas, they alone possess what I need, what you need to be a fully satisfied human being driving in a nice new car. God didn't give you a used one, even though these bodies feel kind of used. Sometimes used and abused, right? God didn't do that. He gave you a brand new shiny car. He said, here's the car. Here's the keys. Here's the gas. Acts 1-8, my Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, you're filled with power. You're filled with anointing. You're filled with every single thing that you need when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be given, downloaded into you everything that you need to do the job I put you here to do. The car, the keys, and the Holy Spirit. The question is, what do we do? What do I do? What do you do? The parable I read today, the parable of the talents, there's three people in there. Two guys decided I'm going to do something with this car that's been given to me. And the reward was great. The reward was awesome. And sometimes we don't see the reward on the other side. Many of us sometimes we give up on certain people and situations too early because we don't see the benefit and the reward in it. There are people who give up on church. There are people who give up on us because they don't see the reward. And so, so many people sometimes we back out of important situations because we don't see the reward. And let's be honest, we all like rewards. Why do teachers give out gold stars? Put your name on the board. Ching, check mark. Shoo, right? Everybody likes to be rewarded. Two men in this story, what they were given, the boss, the jefe, God, he doubled it. And he said, you're awesome. Now I'm going to give you so many more things. And so if we take this gift, if we take the gift of wisdom, if we take the gift of teaching, we take the gift of preaching, prophesying, praying for people so they get healed, praying for people so that miracles happen, if we take the gift to encourage, to serve, to be kind, if we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, if we take those, we recognize there's a need, if we embrace those, if we embrace those, we accept them into our life, then we're going to leave each person that comes into contact with us better. That's the only way to leave each other better. When we move in the gift and talents that God's put you here. What do we do with our gifts? What do we do with our talents? Where do we put our time and energy? We'll find out next week. Let's pray.